BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, this is George, and you're listening to episode number 22 of the Zum Podcast. I'm going to be talking today to Calvin Johnson, famously of Beat Happening, K Records, Indie Rock Royalty, uh, first generation Indie Rock people. Uh, if you ever read the Michael Azerod book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, final chapter is all about Beat Happening and the formation of K Records. And Calvin's been in a bunch of other projects. Team, Dumb Narcotic, Halo Benders, Hive Dwellers, Solo Performer. Uh, we ended up hanging out a lot this last last week. Uh, for I get, I will, I think it gets explained in the interview a little bit uh, why we were hanging out so much, and also uh, there was some technical weirdness, and I had to kind of cobble together an ending to the show, which I think is working and works in the spirit. Before I get too deep into the show, I wanted to announce some tour dates that I'm doing. Uh, first time for me doing comedy in Austin, Texas. I'm going to be in Austin for a couple days. First show I have booked is a combination music comedy show uh, my friend Kristen put together at a venue called The Owl, Friday, October 18th. And it's going to be hosted by Jennifer Moore from Deep Time. Bunch of music people trying their hand at comedy for the first time, like Dustin Pilkington uh, from the band's Total Abuse and Best Friends. Uh, Alicia Fine, Matt Needles. There's going to be music by Patrick Healy and Rue. So that's Friday the 18th at The Owl, Saturday, October 19th. Uh, Duncan Carson and Brendan O'Grady were kind enough to put me on their show called Sure Thing at Austin Java, which is a free show, at 8, and that's Saturday, October 19th. And I'm going to try and get on some mics and get on the Sunday showcase. We'll see if you're in Austin, uh, get at me, and I'm going to have some free daytimes to hang out with people. Maybe do some interviews. I've kind of been reaching out in my brain about who to talk to in Austin. There's a couple possible people. I also wanted to point out a show... That is real special and weird. It's going to be October 26th in Mendocino at this farm called the Oz Farm. A guy named Elliot Armstrong put together this overnight camping, food, comedy, extravaganza, uh, overnight October 26th through 27th at the Mendocino Oz Farm. And it's going to be, the comedians on it are going to be Caitlin Gill, Lydia Popovich, Jesse Elias, Land Smith, Andrew Holmgren, Claro Kane, and little me. And it's a little pricey, but not when you think about the fact that you're camping, getting fed really well, and uh, get to hang out overnight in the woods and listen to people hopefully, you know, making you laugh, making you chuckle in the woods. So that's October 26th. I'll put a link in the 
notes because I just need Eventbrite link or a brown paper tickets link. But yeah, uh, it's called Funny Farm, organized by Elliot Armstrong. So that's October 26th. If you have a hankering to go camp on a farm, eat amazing food. Uh, it's also where my friends Chris and uh, Maggie got married. Uh, speaking of weddings, that's kind of the context in which uh, I ended up hanging out with Calvin for a couple days. I was officiating a wedding. He was the wedding performer. Uh, we ended up hanging out where like we didn't know the family really, so it was mostly him and me talking about stuff. So that's what led to us doing this interview in a car. I'm driving him to the city after a show in Oakland. So here's me talking to Calvin. You can breed me, you can need me, you can read me or Dutch treat me. Even better, make a movie, mail a letter. You're so groovy, misbehaving, sock it to me, double dating, overstay and always waiting. You can break me, you can rape me, you can trade me. Driving back to the city. Okay. Francisco. One of my doors is not open. One of it's your door. No, it's not closed. It's me. Not <clears throat> closed, rather. Yeah, let me try this. Mm. Yeah, it's me. Alright. There you go. So, that's what happens when you multitask and oh. try to record a podcast and mm. drive mm. and eat a pear all at the mm. same time. So, I'm in the car with Calvin Johnson. And I'm eating a pear. Calvin's eating a pear. Uh, this is like our third day of driving around in my car together. Mm. It's, what I it's just like being on tour. It is kind of like you're on a, a Bay Area tour. So, contextually, uh, I would explain that our uh, my friend, now your friend, but previously an acquaintance, uh, asked Calvin to sing at the wedding, and I got to officiate the wedding. Mm. My first time officiating a wedding. Yep. And what should we? Well, how 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 do you feel about that? It was enjoyable. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyable. A lot of family around. I mean, their fam the bride and groom's family. A lot of their friends. That was neat. I just thought of something that someone told me one time, which is that actually this is how you should do an interview is not looking at each other okay. for radio. Like right. pretend you're in a car. They're like pretend you're like sit side by side and pretend you're in a car. And I'm going complete method all the way. Yeah. So method of I hear like you. actually just doing that. I'm following your lead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then we had the weird incident, which that was. Well, we did like some comedy nights. That was pretty fun. I yeah, saw, that was. That's the first time I you've saw, ever done anything like that, right? Well, more or less. More or less. I mean, I didn't really do anything that different than what I do at a show. True. Much. But putting it in that. Although at the show, the show tonight, I didn't do a lot of talking. That's true. I, because we didn't have time. I realized there was no time because we had to go to Frisco so you can get to your new comedy. You have another comedy show tonight. Yes, I do. So there's some, I guess, some, some uh, scheduling conflicts. And, and yeah, and you were at the other thing that I did at Northern, and which. That was fun. That was fun. So I feel like there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> practical, pragmatic, kind of methodological things that carry over from the DIY world into the comedy world. And I, I think that's 
a vibe I like about it. You're afraid of flying, or no, you're not, not afraid? You don't. You prefer not to. I prefer not to have to take my shoes off unless I want to. Like on the train, I can take my shoes off if I want to. Mm -hmm. Can't walk around without your shoes, but you can relax. It's very serene. Amtrak travel. Amtrak, yes. Mm -hmm. Don't I would? I've always wanted to do that Pacific Starlight. Oh yeah, Pacific right. Coast, Coast Starlight. Coast Starlight. That's the that's the uh, West Coast train that goes from Seattle down to Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, I like the <clears> idea <throat> of like being able to like nap and zone oh, yeah. out and do it, and it costs about as much as a flight. It's probably like the same. It's definitely cheaper than driving. And do you drive? I have. Uh, I don't uh, own any sort of automobile, but, you, but like I do tour. have a driver's license. Yeah, you'll drive on tour. Mm -hmm. Yep. A couple years ago, didn't you on tour with Dub Narcotic in like a pretty rough van accident? Uh, was it like a that black was ice situation? exactly. What's the date? Uh, today is October fifth. Okay, because it was October. It was like, uh, it's like October thirteenth or October fifteenth, two thousand three. Oh wow! So it was ten, 10 years ago. Yeah, it's like ten year anniversary. So, so it sounds like it was pretty traumatic. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't any fun. Uh, where were you when that happened? That was in east, far eastern Montana. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Close to the state line with North Dakota. Yeah. And what, you like hit a deer or something? Or? Well, I don't know. I was sleeping. Oh, you weren't that, You weren't awake when it happened? No. But uh, Chris Sutton was driving, and he, he, <clears throat> he yes. says there was some sort of animal that he swerved out of the way, and... Uh, went off the road and the van, you know, rolled over and it just was, it was not, uh, yeah. things, the van was destroyed and, uh, wow. the people were Did not, you, you did not wake up when it happened? Uh, I, I became conscious several days later. Oh my God. So you were, you were I was like in the hospital of, for, was, was it like a coma? Well, no, but I was just in the hospital for a week. But you're conscious. I think you that I, I may have come too, but I don't right. know. I was not really. Didn't check a calendar or anything, yeah. I I think I was a bit delirious. I was a bit out of it. <clears throat> According to what I'm told. I, I don't remember anything until about three three days later. Three days later. Wow, so you just, that's kind of a lost, just a lost chunk of time in your brain. Mm -hmm. And everyone else was in a similar condition? Well, I, I was, was the only one who, up. I was the only one that was in the hospital that long. Chris... He uh, he broke his knee, I think, and yeah, his jaw was broken. Yeah, because he still has knee problems, right? I think. Yeah, I remember seeing him. His jaw was all wired shut for a while, and um, Heather was Heather was flown out was was thrown out of the car. Oh my god! She had out a window. Yeah. So, but Fuck. she she didn't have any like broken bones, but she had uh, some concussion? some back some back problems. Oh, I had I had a concussion. I was the one with the concussion. So okay, so three days I, out and a concussion. Wow. Yeah, and a, some broken broken ribs and a bunch of other stuff, but uh, separated shoulders. And it was it was just yeah, it wasn't yeah. a lot of fun. You get physical therapy <clears throat> or anything? Yeah, I went to do physical therapy for a while, and uh, and all that. But yeah, I just remember hearing a little bit about that, and you were out of commission for a while after that. Right? Yeah couldn't quite I had a bad stutter for about a year after that oh really yeah wow and so it's clearly that's just the sort of something 
some kind of headwind thing where you get a stutter. Yeah. Because of that. That's crazy. And eventually it went away or you had to go to speech therapy or something? Well, it or? just, it just, yeah, just, it went away. It comes back once in a while, but mostly it's gone. The thing that, that was, I started playing shows in February. The, right after, February after an October yeah. accident? Yeah, and it, that's because when, in like a month after the accident, some people in England were like, hey, we're doing this festival. Well, not festival, it was really like a arts it was at the, at the Museum of Modern Art at Oxford University. They were like, we're doing a creative thing, and uh, we want to have you come and play. And I figured, oh, by then I'll be fine. Right. But uh, I didn't realize I, I wasn't going to be fine. And you flew. Then. So I said I would do that, and yeah. then, so by, when I got closer, I realized I wasn't really ready to play shows. But fortunately, the shows were all in England, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but... What's interesting about it is that uh, your your brain is is a mystery, and um, the singing part comes from a different section of your brain from your talking. So even though I'm I'm having these these problems speaking, I could sing fine. So I would sing just perfectly naturally, but uh, then when I would talk to the audience, it was I would the stutter would come back, but. I also had to relearn my songs because I couldn't remember a lot of the, the words and stuff. So that was, that was, but it, it, all, it all worked out. But it was actually, I think it was a good thing that I, that I, um, that I played those shows so soon because it really got me going. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that would definitely, I mean, just having a physical injury, mm-hmm. I had to really re- Double refigure out my life for like a couple months. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you have who was helping you out with all this stuff, like recovery stuff? Well, I had uh, health insurance, and um, so I, they, you know, I went to the physical therapist and all that yeah. through my insurance. But, um, but like support network of people. Well, yeah, my, my mother mm-hmm. uh, and Lois, yeah, and uh, my sisters, uh, my brother, my whole family, they were just great, you know. Um, yeah. And then people at K were very supportive very helpful you know because I could barely walk and uh but I was like I'm gonna go back right back to work so I would be like just you know I could barely move and they're just like you know everyone was very patient they were very patient it was nice oh man I will say like I'm just as from my personal experience of having a broken leg and then just trying to get back into doing mics and doing comedy like as soon as I could because that's the only thing I could focus on to yeah. motivate myself to get better yeah. and having that is great but then the frustration when you and imagine like yeah like having to deal with the stutter that you never had before and not be able to get your thoughts across as coherently yeah. as you, they are and they're probably told everything's going according to normal in your head right like yeah. like oh I know what I'm saying and then you just there's a, there's it just doesn't gap. quite happen, yeah. It's, and then it's the same thing with, I couldn't really walk for a while. I mean, I could walk, but it was very slow. But no broken broken leg? Well, I had a broken ribs, but all the, all of my injuries, with separated shoulder and the broken ribs and the concussion, there's no treatment for any of those injuries. Yeah, ribs. The only treatment is you wait for it to get better. Yeah, ribs. And that so awful. with a concussion, it's just, they just wait for you to get better. And so it's just waiting around. Yeah, the, the ribs was pretty painful. I had I had some, what do you call it, abrasions, and like I have some strange scars 
that were from that as well. Really? Like, kind of like <clears throat> internal cracks? Just, well, just like, things? you know, I, I just got cut from, you know, the, oh. I was, the car rolled over a couple times, so oh, I don't know what happened. And there's somewhere, gear and stuff too, right? There's stuff in there, yeah, the, the whole thing was <sighs> That's so crazy. Brutal. But See, Heather and I were both sleeping on the bench seats in the back, so we were both completely out of it when it happened. I really like that old bridge over there. Oh yeah, we're Sydney seeing the old Rosalie. bridge, and we're on the new bridge. It, it's so weird it's how, when it's completely dark like that. It does feel a little bit creepy. It's beautiful. Yeah, it looks. I guess old. I never get to see it. I never used to get to see it because I was on it. Uh huh. It's like being inside the blood screen. Um, what else do I want to ask? So yeah, you had a good time with the comedy stuff. Yeah, it was you enjoyed great. being we part of the sketch. Time. That was fun. Well, the, the, the sketch, I don't know where the sketch came from. It seems like you guys already had it when I got there. We had, a, we had an outline. And um, I felt like there were things that happened. I wish we had just a few more practices because there were things that, because it was all improv based on this outline. Yes. That was, which is great. Yeah. But there, there were things that happened. There were a couple of jokes that were in there. Yeah. yeah. And, but some things happened in the various um, rehearsals that I think were, were worth keeping. And it would have been nice to have one or two more rehearsals to be able to say, hey, what about that thing where you did this? We should try to do that. Or yeah. I like how you did that, so I'm gonna try doing this. Or whatever, you know? Yeah, no. I think it could have been, we could have worked it out a little bit more. It would have been a little bit more solid. Well, we wanted to but say, it worked out fine. I wanted I to say, like, you you were giving, it was like a writer's room. Like, you were giving, like, us, like, pointers, structural tips, and, like, almost, like, tags for the jokes. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was like, oh, we're kind of all writing this sketch together by improvising and riffing it. Mm. And, like, you were part of the, the riffing. That was fun. So, yeah. The first time being in a sketch. Actually, well, you know, me, I've been... Uh, sketch. I've been... Uh, I used to do a theater group with uh, Jason Traeger. Yeah, no, uh, really? We were called the South Capital Players. When was this? Uh, back in the 90s. Okay. And uh, Lois was in there. And uh, a few other people. Star Seaford. And... Um, we only did a few performances, few few productions, but it was pretty fun. Uh, you write something yourself, or you guys would do like? Uh, I didn't or do it. Um, usually, Lois or someone else wrote the the things, and then we we did a uh, we did one. Uh, it was like a theatrical production of the film Valley Girl. Valley Girl, yeah. Yeah, and um, Cage, yeah. and um, so that was fun, and. Um, we did a bunch of stuff. It's pretty fun. <clears throat> they did. They did some stuff without me too. They, they did a great. Um, I forget what it was called. But so yeah, that's interesting. Traeger has sort of been writing a lot of these lines. He's sort of like in a lot of uh, different Venn diagrams. That guy. Mm. But uh, existing as like someone from sort of the DIY punk world and the comedy world and art world, legit like. Art, like, yeah. he has like an MFA or something, right? Uh, something like that. Something. I'm not sure what he has. Yeah. So you have, you're not a complete stranger to the format. Well, when I was in high school, I watched Saturday Night Live from the very first season. Oh, yeah. The first season. Yeah. Yeah. So there's. I was going to say, your songs have humor in them often, uh, particularly that one, the, the acapella song, 
Well, get in. Get in. It's got a lot of humor. Well, thank you. In it. And I feel like you have a, you have a sense of humor that is in like a on a on a one-on-one basis. It's like kind of interesting because it's, it's it feels like you're you're feeling things out with people and almost like you're testing them a little bit. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what you think if that's how it comes across, but I, I, I've noticed it a little bit, but it's also just like, it seems like you're kind of like, I'm entertaining myself a little bit by talking to you. Hmm. I don't know, have you thought about that ever? Or? You're entertaining yourself right now by talking to me? Or, or no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I am. I mean, oh, I good. Suppose, are you entertaining yourself? Well, I'm, I'm hoping you're having a good time doing I'm this. I hope this isn't a waste of your time. No, I'm having a good time. Good, good. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not critiquing, I'm just saying I've oh. noticed like a, like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I feel like this is the most amount of time we've ever spent together. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, you have some, we have some, we were having some real talk. It seems yeah. good. Um, you had, you really liked Chris Garcia's story the other day. Well, he had a few different pieces that, uh, Ella, he, 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 did he have a little longer time than everyone else? Yeah, he did. Because he... he uh, well, he's also kind of a senior. He's like the senior and we're <clears> like the freshman, kind of. But yeah. he went early. Yeah, he did. Because, yeah, he must have just been like, I, I want to go early. And oh, okay. she was just like, yeah, sure, go. Well, he was entertaining. Um, and, I, you know, everybody had... Definitely had their points. Everyone, everyone had their period of warming up. Oh, it yeah. It took everyone... <laughs> A few minutes, a minute or two, to kind of get into the groove, mm-hmm. um, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was it was really an enjoyable experience to be in the audience and hear all these different perspectives. And then going over to that show last uh, last night, yeah. we're at the talkies, yeah, the, the after talkie. What was the other one? Oh yeah, hand to mouth. Because that one was very different in that it had like well, some of the same people. Yeah. Some of the same people even telling some of the same jokes, but in a different context. It was very different context. I felt like the audience was much more straight, traditional. It, and they were also a lot more, like, boisterous. They were laughing yeah. harder and louder than they were at the talkies. Or at I, the, uh, the I'll, show. I'll accept that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And uh, they seemed to be, their humor seemed a little, maybe a little coarser. The audience... Ex- were uh, appreciating a coarser brand of humor than what was going on at the um, mission position or the talkies. Right, like maybe it's a little bit more. People do a lot more like sex stuff or race stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but every every single person who got up there at that thing did something about race. Well, actually, I think that was the theme of that particular show. Oh, was I it? Back and looked. Yeah, oh, okay. hand to mouth usually has a theme. I did one that was music, and I told this Jandek story, mm. and uh, that one last night was stereotypes, and I totally forgot that that's what it was until I kind of looked. Oh, the one that we went to. Yeah, so oh, okay. that makes sense that that would be. Part oh, okay. Of it. And uh, oh yeah, Kasim, did you watch Kasim's set? Uh, uh, black dude with a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he's, he was very funny, but he was he also a monster. He very aggressive. He's very aggressive. And uh, but off stage, he was just so mild mannered and friendly. Yeah, he's he's. A he really takes on a persona yeah. of uh, sort of a. It's 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 not. It's aggressive. It, it yeah, I think that he's trying to be pro- provocative. He's very provocative. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And yeah, Olympia seems like it's got an open mic scene, maybe. And uh, then, I didn't know about it till I went to your thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, that girl. Which Phoebe is great. I'd like to uh, yeah. see some more of it. Yeah. I think just the there was enough people. Well, let's see. San Francisco is a bigger town. There's more people around, mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. just have like a mm-hmm. lot of comics. We have a lot of. Uh, opportunities for people to get up and do that stuff. Um, I did feel like when I, the, you you got kind of late to that show, Northern. I felt a little bit of pushback on some things I was talking about from people, mm. and I was I, I sort of thought about it in retrospect. I'm like, yeah, I mean, people don't think of Olympia as having a sense of humor, even though a lot of people I know are very funny that are from mm. there. Mm. It just has a little bit of a serious mm. workshoppy kind of vibe to mm. it. That's what the reputation that precedes it is. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was... But you weren't around for that part, but uh, I felt mm. a little bit of a pushback. But by the end, I think it worked out well. Mm. And it's not necessarily about, like, political correctness or anything specifically, but mm-hmm. maybe more of a sense that everyone sort of did not understand the format of the comedy show and felt like, oh, oh, I'm going to chime in with my opinion while this is happening. Oh, uh-huh. It's like, well, that in this context, that's heckling. <clears throat> I understand why uh-huh. that might be your impulse. Yeah. It's like, well, hey, equal time. Uh-huh. But that's not the, the format of the show. But don't you think heckling serves a, play, a place? I'm surprised how little <laughs> heckling there was at both uh, all the three shows I went to. I'm not... Comedy shows. Yes. There are some people that are very good at handling crowd work and mm-hmm. heckling. And I'm not one of those people, uh, but someone like Kasim, for example, is very I think good at doing Traeger's this. Traeger is awesome at handling heckles. Yeah, he's really good. I'm, I haven't well, actually I'm seen him sh- do it. I well, seen him I do saw it. we played a show together in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the summer of 2000. Oh yeah, and back when he was doing stand up then. No, he was just do- oh, doing. doing music. He was just playing music. Yeah. And uh, um, and Adam Green, who's from. Uh, Moldy Peaches, Moldy Peaches yeah. was in the crowd, and this is before Moldy Peaches had gotten any sort of mm-hmm. um, I'm super late. <laughs> any kind of fame or uh-huh. anything. And um, he was just itching. He was just. It was like he couldn't stand the fact that someone else was on stage <laughs> and playing music because he wanted to be on stage playing music. So he was. He was just like heckling Jason, and Jason handled it so well yeah. that people. And I don't think Adam even understood that. He was being made a fool of because he was so focused on give me the guitar and let me play my song, you know. And and it was everyone was laughing their head off, you know. It was so well done. And but at the end, it was so well done, but it was done in such a way that he it wasn't like he was really making fun of Adam. And in the end, they were like friends, you know, they like, right, embraced. Like it never he, got personal enough. He it got personal and they became good friends. I mean, he he uh, he turned it around. Jason He's able to around. turn it around so that it's not about heckling. It's mm-hmm. about oh, we're just you know, I. He doesn't take it as an off- offensive thing. He just he's like he just rolls with it. He just goes with it. It's great. Yeah. No. Like I wish I could get to a point like that. I've I've not gotten there, and I do think it's interesting when you say that because yes, of course now like Adam Green is a musician, and that's what I think is happening with a lot of times with hecklers. It's like. They're secretly like, I think I'm better than this guy. Yeah, yeah. And then it comes out in <clears throat> a venue that is not the right venue for that to happen. Uh-huh. And because you're not coming on as equals, it's not like one comic, then another comic on stage after another. Right. You know, and 
but it's interesting because I feel like there's part of me that's just like, why don't we just encourage that person to become a performer? Yeah. That heckler should just, that's sort of the philosophy I think I would go with. It's just, yeah, just, hey, don't do that. Just sign up your name on the list. Yeah. Go up. Go for and it. And then, then you'll see how you handle it. I did that one time to a heckler. A guy was heckling me and I kind of just said, all right, your next comment's coming to the stage right now. Please give up for... Jeff, everyone, and then just handed him the mic, and people were, he just kind of basically, I just gave him a noose yeah. to hang himself with, so it was pretty mean on my yeah. part, and I was But what if you got angry. up there, what if you got up there and, and, and killed and, it? Yeah. Then I would have been handed my own ass. No, but it would have great, because then you'd be like, hey, that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't let him do that. And I, whatever level of inebriation he was at, and just the things that were kind of his mouth, I was like, <clears> I was like this, this guy is going to just hang himself oh, yeah. if I hand him the mic. And I felt like an asshole doing it. I felt a little bit mean. I'm like, here, I'm just gonna like let you be the one to take this. And I don't know. I I didn't even think about that till just now. Like that's the last time I dealt with a heckler. That's what I ended up doing. And then I talked to other comics. They're like, never give them the mic. Mm. Never give them the mic. You're relinquishing control. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. There's something very competitive or inherently a little like control freaky about doing it I feel like a lot of my control freak side has emerged more doing this than mm-hmm. being in bands because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're not it's not as collaborative of a thing um, well is there someone else at um, at uh, uh, at the uh, show that is taking yeah so you're not it's not relying he's hosting on he's not relying on me but it does get a little bit hectic and right like, but you don't need to be there it. for it to start it can start without me, but I think he'll be a little bit resentful. Well, what time does it start? Eight? It probably won't. It probably won't start at eight. Usually eight fifteen, eight ten. Oh, okay. Well, so I think I'm okay. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I can just get out anywhere. Well, I don't want to dump you on the on the freeway. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when I'll you're... go up to Bose and then cut across and you'll wherever. Yeah. I mean, anywhere that's on the bus line, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. What are some things you're excited about project-wise, like K stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we did this new album with the, the Neo Boys. That's been a lot of fun, working with this band. This is a band that was around from 78 to 83 mm-hmm. in uh, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, all-female punk band. And I've always really enjoyed their music, and there's so much of their music that was never released that um, we... Uh, Um, I've been working with the band to, to uncover all the tapes and put it in a format that feels right. They still live in Portland, and you most of them, yeah. And you well, half of them um, enough that you could like work on the project. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. like still they're not. It's not one of those bands that broke up and now they're like oh no, someone's they all, interested. They're all they're, friends. They're, they're, they're all they're all buddies, and yeah, it's great. They're really fun to work with. Sometimes those things can go real weird. Like I, well, I'm not saying that this didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but that's just the nature of, you know, we're working right. with something else over 30 years ago, and yeah. and everyone's got, but it's been fun, you know, and they've they've just been great to work with because they have they still have a really clear vision of what their music is and mm-hmm. what it means to them, so they they can, they can focus on it. It's really cool. So uh, back in the day, they only had like what a, like a couple singles. And they had a single and a twelve-inch EP. Uh-huh. And then, but and this you, is a double and you, album. And you got a hold of those. And yeah, and this is a double album that has a whole bunch of other stuff on there. 
just archivally going through everything. Yeah, and Tech some live stuff, some demos, you know, yeah. but some some studio recordings that were never released. So that's great. Yeah, that guy who I introduced you to yesterday, Peter, he works on a lot of the reissues that Superior Viaduct does, and they're doing kind of similar types of things, like just finding an early '80s band, mm. digging through practice tapes, digging through demos, putting it all into into vinyl. Uh-huh. It's like a, I think reissues seem to be a bigger thing right now. I'm more interested in reissues lately than mm. new bands in oh. terms of just what I see when I go record shopping. Oh, uh huh. And compilations and stuff that like you know like a lot of the stuff Mississippi was doing those compilations. Oh, uh-huh. Well, I always think that now is the most exciting time that music has. Mm-hmm. Right now is exciting, so there's always music going on right now that's worth listening to and yeah um we you know we work with mostly we don't do a lot of reissues but we're working mostly with current artists and mm-hmm. that's the exciting part and i don't think we're going to do any other reissues because it's just um there's just so much good music going on right now that we want to share with the world so yeah well i wasn't trying to say that there's no good bands <laughs> I oh just, yeah i just uh have noticed a lot of reissue things happening. Uh-huh. Um, who are the new bands that you're excited about well, right le- now? Le- the new Lake album just came out like mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and um, there, you know, we this is our third album. We worked with them, and uh, fourth, fourth album. They have so many, and they've put out. They're very prolific, so they have a they have another album they put out on their own. Same time we put out their album, mm-hmm. and then. Ashley Erickson, who's yeah, one she of the singers, record, we have a solo right? album by her that came out like a month before the Lake album. Oh, that's when I was in town. She was doing her record release show, so I did not okay. go to that. Yeah, yeah, that was the same that's night. That's right. I've met her, though. Uh, I think I've met her. Yeah, she toured with uh, Phil. Or something. Yep, she's she plays with uh, Mount Erie. Yeah, and um, so that's fun. Kendall Winter is another artist from Olympia that she's originally from Arkansas, but she moved to Olympia like. Eight years ago, ten years ago. Kendall Winter. Yeah, and so we've this is our third album we've done with her, mm-hmm. and she's just a real trooper. I mean, she's just on tour all the time. She's always doing music. She she's a banjo player. She's mm-hmm. like a, she's sponsored by a banjo company. Oh. She has like her own. You know, they made a banjo for her, and she's uh, yeah. So she's pretty pretty exciting music. You ever play banjo? I never have. No. I like the just that you can just strum it and it sounds good. You yeah. Just do like a just straight across. I I don't know the tuning, but you usually can noodle around on it. What was your first instrument? Was it guitar? Uh, it was ukulele. When okay. I was in fifth grade, our whole class took took up the ukulele. And then I um, in junior high, I was uh, a clarinet player. Clarinet. Yep. Okay. Do you have any of that skill set still? Well, I play the melodica. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is nothing like the clarinet or the ukulele, but it is a wind instrument that you with it's like a keyboard interest instrument that you blow into. So, yeah. Clarinet, were you doing like band, like school yeah, I was band? in school band, yeah. But. And then when did the 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 punk part? Well, I first started playing guitar when I was like thirteen, mm-hmm. working with my brother. Uh, my brother played guitar, and he and his friends showed me how to play a few chords and things. And right about that time is when I started getting interested in punk music, like in 76. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in reading about punk rock. 
like you get like an enemy or something? Or? No, 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 no. That that was there's, there was no way for me to get an enemy. So where were you reading about punk rock? In like um, the back of Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, okay, there'd be like a little. There might be something in the random What's notes. What's going on in England? Little or a little thing about the Ramones or Blondie yeah. or something about the Sex Pistols. I remember reading about the Sex Pistols in like November of 1976 wow. in Rolling Stone and being like, this sounds interesting. But you were reading Rolling Stone for, like, their coverage of... Well, like, my brother got it. He was a subscriber, so I just read it all the time. I just just read it. It yeah. just was... And so, but I would I would pick out these little clues. You know, there was a little article about the Ramones, a little article about Blondie. And then Cream Magazine yeah, really Cream. picked up the punk thing and ran with it. And um, so over the next couple... So I... I, I, I mean, I, I recognized that Rolling Stone was completely square. You know? Yeah. That they were just, like... They obviously weren't getting it. And uh, Cream was like, they were making fun of it, but they were also sort of championing it. Right. And, um, and so that was a great, because the, 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 the difference is that Rolling Stone was only writing about the corporate bands, like Sex Pistols or Ramones, whereas Cream was writing about punk as, an, as a local phenomenon. And they would do a, like a, an issue that was dedicated to the San Francisco punk scene or the L.A. punk scene. Right. Or the New York punk scene. So they were they were taking a regional approach to it, which was really exciting. Yeah. And, um, which was what punk was all about. It was about re these regional scenes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that was really cool. That's interesting. I was thinking about how regionalism seems to not matter as much in the sense of, like, people just putting tracks on SoundCloud, whatever, mm. just getting everything everywhere. This sort of the blog type of promotion that bands do now but regionalism is still very important obviously as you as you saw this trip you know like there's everyone you run into something they're like oh why didn't you play here you should have uh -huh. played here like there's still like these little nooks of information uh, data nooks or just like connection nooks that are super regional yeah that you need to find and, and you, you're really good at finding those things the yeah. grassroots people well it interests me and I, you know I, I'm interested in all different kinds of music a few years ago <clears throat> Well, I guess it was like four or five years ago. I was doing a little trip around the Midwest, and I just went to Gary, Indiana, just on my way. I actually was going to, uh, I think, I can't remember where I was playing, somewhere in like DeKalb or Rockford or somewhere, somewhere on the other side of Chicago. But first I just thought, I'm just going to go to Gary, see what it's all about. Like, on, this Indiana. is a solo tour? Yeah, I was just driving. I had a car. Solo, so. solo drive, yeah. Yeah, so I just drove into Gary, and I just was like, because I'd never really been there before, and it's so bombed out, you know, so much, it's so much beyond Detroit in terms of really? just, yeah. and just, just devastation. And, um, Sorry, and I went to, like, <laughs> yeah. I went to, like, there was this little hip-hop record store place, and I went in there, and they had just, like, of course, they didn't have any records. I mean, they had records, but they were all, like, major labels, because at that point... Mm -hmm which was whenever that was, the late double O's. Nobody put out records except major labels. Vinyl, you mean? Or yeah, just vinyl. A, yeah. So there CDs. were tons of CD, yeah. mixed, local mixtapes. They called them mixtapes, but they were CDs. CDs. And local people doing CDs. But no, nobody local was doing records at that point. And, um, but the thing is, it was all Gary. Mm -hmm. There was no Chicago stuff at all. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what, 40 miles from Chicago? Mm -hmm. 50 miles from Chicago? And it had nothing to do with Chicago at all. Wow, you know, just a Gary specific hip hop all, scene that, that was probably yeah. all centered around that shop. Probably, yeah. yeah. And it was it was just it was all it was completely local. 
you know CD that might have been CDR era like if, yeah, the totally. mid 2000s was yeah. CDR era right and that was a big thing in the noise community the CDRs were a big thing in the noise community I mean cause that's kind of were there the whole time uh huh but now I don't see people making CDRs it's like yeah just, it's pretty rare it's, it's people would people just um now I think it's interesting that people have creative ways they'll do like a silkscreen poster with a download code and they'll yeah. sell that at a show or whatever or, yeah I have these friends that were screen printing download codes on their t-shirts. I don't know how they they did it on the tag. They must have done it on the tag because you couldn't switch up. He explained to me this whole process he wanted to do. I think it was for religious girls where he was going to just print all the download codes and then just tape them off for uh -huh. the screens oh, and just right. untape and retape yeah. them for that's each pull. Yeah. But I'm like, that's your design has to be changed all the time. I don't know. Sounds elaborate. It's really elaborate, yeah. You don't want to be yanking tape off of a, a screen as, mm. you're, as you're printing. But anyway, yeah, there's... We were talking about the format kind of wars thing from the uh, late 80s, right? When you had oh, to uh -huh. label... You were running a label and you had to do a cassette, an LP, and a CD. Well, like 88, 89. Yeah, in the 80s when um, you're dealing with these distributors and they're like... Well, in order to get into these stores, you have to have a barcode, and you have to do all three formats, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but those distributors aren't going to carry our shit anyway. We could follow all the rules, mm -hmm. and they might take ten copies. So you were so it's like, why, why, why I follow their shitty rules? Mm -hmm. And so we just like, fuck it, let's just put out 45s. And we did like a couple albums, but it was, we really weren't working about worrying about it we would do like vinyl only and just it was just um it was just like let's just wait till this thing settles down a little bit was all the go team stuff the 45s we did 45s and some cassettes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and uh yeah then so mail order must have been the strongest thing for you oh yeah we've time. always been mail order like that's from the word go because mail order is really important i mean when we were doing the start with the label it was just cassettes and that's all we really had is mail order because stores weren't interested. Even though cassette had become the dominant format by the mid '80s, mm -hmm. underground cassettes were still completely meaningless. You know the, the way the way the way CDs are dead now, and um, and stores don't want CDs, but they will buy vinyl. Yeah, it was kind of like it was with cassettes. cassettes. People Same. would be like, "We'll take the album, but we don't want cassettes." Mm -hmm. um, although now cassettes have this sort of eh, nostalgic this yeah. this 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 revival. It's interesting. It's fun. Yeah, but um, so anyway, doing this in, these cassette only releases, people did not want them because those were to, to most stores they saw that as a vanity publishing kind of thing. Yeah, Whereas it didn't seem like it wasn't like an independent label. It was just right. a vanity publishing. So they stores yeah. didn't carry them. So mm -hmm. our only options were selling them at shows or mail order. And at that time, who was the organization? It was you and one other person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really pretty loose in the early few years. Um, each project was different. So, like, mm -hmm. the first thing I did was the Supreme Cool Beings set, and that was just something I did on my own. And then uh, we did these compilations, one called Dangers of Their Business, and that I did with this guy, Rich Jensen. He, he organized that with me. And uh, our first rock compilation was called Let's Together, and that I worked with Brett Lunsford. He, mm -hmm. he really put that together. And you mostly. weren't playing music in a band well, at the time? Well, I was playing music in a duo with this woman named Stella. 
Okay. Um, Stella Mars. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. then and then uh, she moved away, and I started playing in what became Beat Happening, but at that time it was just called Laura Heather and Calvin. sitting on the steps of City Hall with Thorsten and Jamie, the couple that got married, that I married. I married you guys. You guys, I married you. And uh, I was doing an interview with Calvin in my car and on my phone, and my phone ran out of memory, so just the end of it is cut off, so I don't have like an ending with Calvin, so I thought actually it'd be cool to bring you guys. We're in City Hall just like turning in your marriage certificate. And I was like, oh, we should just, I should just ask you guys why you asked Calvin to sing at your wedding. Yeah, so a couple years ago, I, Jamie, went up to Seattle to visit a friend of mine um, who was at the wedding. And she. Oh, yeah, I think I met her. Angelica. And she ended up getting the flu. So I couldn't stay with her, but I still had the ticket, so I just went up and got myself a hotel, and I looked in the weekly paper, and there was a a K-Records band called The Curious Mystery playing down the street, and I I knew I liked them. I'm like, awesome, I'll just walk up the street and go see them, 
and the show is very like sparsely populated there's hardly anyone there and I'm watching the show and I see a very familiar dance happening and I was like oh my god that's Calvin he's here did he have the headphones on no headphones no. um he was just dancing he had a moose hat on like um he had a really cute winter hat with like moose horns on it and a plaid jacket and um I introduced myself and just said I was a big fan and asked if I could get my picture taken with him. And so I got this really cute picture taken where he's got his arm around me and he's like resting his head on my shoulder with his eyes closed. <laughs> so fast forward to last year when I put my OkCupid okay profile <laughs> up and I thought I was oh. going through pictures to put up there and I was like, oh, maybe I'll put this picture of me and Calvin up because... <laughs> If somebody knows who that is, like, we'll, I know are. we'll get along. Odds are, yeah. And uh, Thor messaged me, and that was, like, his comment was about that hey. photo out of all the photos I had up. And Calvin Johnson and Moose Hat. He made some funny comment that he later said he was kind of embarrassed about. It was like, hey, you girl, had, that's, hey some, girl, indie that's some indie, indie, serious indie cred you got. <laughs> <laughs> that did not get brought up in the toast. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so yeah. that was the basis of our, of courtship. our courtship. And so, so then when we were planning our wedding, I thought, thought about that again. And I said, wouldn't that be funny if Calvin played at our wedding? I said, let me just give this a shot. I don't have his contact information. I'll just send a yeah. message to info at krecords.com. And I attached the picture and explained <laughs> the story. And I didn't hear for about six weeks. I kind of forgot about it. And I thought, oh, that just went into the void. And uh, it's not going to happen. No big deal. I didn't have high expectations and then uh two months later calvin responds and he says hi jamie this is calvin uh first of all congratulations on your engagement and it's very likely i can play your wedding and we were totally psyched and then it all worked out from there and then how did you guys decide what requests you wanted what songs you requested for him to play um because i can just i'll, I'll play him on the yeah, we've been. There was two tracks from the Hive. There was only three requests we made. We didn't. Need, we just wanted to give him the freedom to play what he wanted. Um, so there was "Get In" and a woman named Trudy, and "Love Will Come Back Again," which is just one we had found on Spotify. We've been listening to a lot, and we just kind of wanted him to just do his own thing and be comfortable, and have fun himself, which Great. he so seemed I'll, to have. I'll play. I'll just play "Get In" because that's like. One of my my favorites. From yeah, so. yeah, we liked the whole idea that our wedding wasn't traditional, and that song seemed fitting and funny. So, okay. <laughs> did your parents like it? Yeah, did they, they yeah, like him? yeah, they did. That's good. They seemed. I was a little bit worried about they were gonna be. I don't know if some of these jokes will go over, but then. Well, your dad talking about diarrhea. It's like, <laughs> all right, I could have totally made that other joke. I know, <laughs> I know. But I know, uh, yeah. well, so, uh, Thorsten, Jamie, congratulations. Thank you. And Thanks enjoy your honeymoon in Hawaii, and this will hopefully be uploaded soon, and here's the song you requested. Fabulous, thanks. Sweet. By High Dwellers. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Calvin. Dirty Foot, I'm Morley Bankrupt, Breathless, Mind, 
bleeding in bad breath an obsessive misfit with a sunken chest would you sell your soul for unrequited love then do what jesus does yeah. Sex on the brain.